advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with Moran Rios, Raw Pet Wellness Coach from Puerto Rico. She's making waves and educating pet parents in Puerto Rico and the Hispanic community at large on the benefits of alternative holistic solutions to help their companion animals. This is her story. Who is Moran Rios, please? <laughs> Moran Rios is a girl that studied business management but was so obsessed with animals that kind of switched gears and made her own thing at in the long run so I started working with the veterinarian and I started at like more as a receptionist and office manager as I was doing my bachelor's and I really started to like everything that was going on um I really like to talk to clients like people would see my dogs and, oh those dogs are so pretty how do what are you doing to keep them healthy? I was like, well, I researched a ton about food, check every, you know, labels. Like, oh, wow. And I started talking, but of course I was still giving processed food at that moment. And, but I, I kind of was already in the zone of what was healthier and the options that I was, what I had available here in the, on the island. And I started grooming, one of my dogs is trying to move the tripod, and I started grooming, and that opened up a lot of discussion with clients about skin problems. I had one of my dogs that also had a skin problem, and of course, I used to work at a vet, so anytime she would have an issue, medicines, injections, and that's done. And after I left, I was there for three years, I was kind of stuck, like, wow. Now I just can't like pop by because I don't work, work, you know, work in the office anymore. What do I do? And I started to get tired of her getting sick and then just giving the medicine. And they try to make me do uh, those prescription diets. And that was like the last straw. I was like, does this make sense at all? And that's when I decided to keep on searching. And there's no holistic vets in Puerto Rico, really. Um, there was just, uh, I guess someone just like me who just decided to get 
more information and he studied how to read the dog's iris and then do like homeopathy. Wow. But he was just someone just like me, like no type of title or, you know, background in medicine or science or anything like that. He was just an animal lover that decided to study this to help other people. And that's how I got like more into what was right, what was correct. And he was the first person that talked to me about raw food. I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, I can't do raw food. What are you talking about? No. And he started like, he's a, he was okay. You don't want to do raw food. Let's do other options. And then that's when I started discovering that there was a whole another world out of kibble. No, forgetting about kibble. I used to do spreadsheets about kibble, like who had more protein, who had what fat, who was what ingredients, what was better. Like I would do spreadsheets just to compare wow. and find out to see what, because I didn't know any better because working with vets, everything was kibble or canned and that was it. And I wasn't inclined to give canned. I didn't know it was better, of course. So when he started talking about dehydrated, I was like, oh, wow. And these are like, and then I started like preparing the food in my house. I'm like, wow, I see carrots. Wow, I see like chunks of meat. Like this couldn't be that bad. And my dogs enjoyed it. So that's when I started like in this whole movement. And then stuff started to progress and progress and progress. And I decided to see, to finally switch to raw and I try to help my clients, but I was stuck. I was just the groomer. I was like, yeah, well, okay, sure. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll follow over your recommendations. No, of course not. The dogs weren't, weren't following exactly what I wanted them to do. Like I would ask, can you change like the kibble that you're giving to this type of kibble? This one is baked. Can we do canned? Can we do dehydrated? Can we do freeze dried? And then they were like, ah. and they, they would ask, what do you do with your dogs? I'm like, well, I give them raw. They're like, oh no, my vet wouldn't approve of that. I'm like mine doesn't either, but it's okay. And I wanted to get out of just being the groomer. So then I took the uh, DMU course and kind of started evolving from there. Up to now, I did take a couple of other, I took an advanced course, I took their other um, herbology course. I think I've got a couple of ones that are still there, but I have no time to take them. So they're, they're already set up for me. And I ended up... T- also becoming a dog trainer because everything I wanted for the dogs was not only based on food and grooming, the whole balance of the animal, everything that they needed, the structure. And that's when everything kind of went forward to what it is now, which is not just raw pet and raw feeding. It's more of a wellness coach and helping people and talking to people about minimal vaccines and what to do when they're puppies and how to give them structure and what not to do and what might the veterinarian recommend and what I would suggest to do to be a little bit cleaner and healthier. And it all goes through there. And that's basically 
what transformed everything. Yikes. Wow. Um, 2011, I guess, beyond. 2011? Was that when yeah, you... Yeah, that was like when... Because I left... I left the veterinarian's office in 2010. And that's when I kind of was like, uh-oh, I don't have like my instant, you know, open the cabinet and get the, med- the medication. I already knew what she needed. I was like, oh, okay. And even though I had a great relationship with my vet, well, my ex-employer at that time, it was like, eh, I would still have to like do the appointment because I wasn't working there anymore. Now I would, I, I would be a client. So that's when it all started to be like, this isn't really convincing me anymore. I need to do something different. Right. Wow. So your journey has been been quite a few years then. Yeah. 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 Full enrolled from about uh, 2017. We had a lot of problems during Maria, during the super ginormous hurricane that they say it was cat four, but we were, our satellite got destroyed. So it didn't feel like a cat four. It was probably a five. And that time was kind of hard because we didn't, you know, the supermarkets weren't open. There was, everything was destroyed. No food was coming in. The supermarkets weren't opening. If they were, they were giving limited quantities. And at that time, I was mostly doing a little bit of dehydrated with canned and adding raw, but mostly just keeping the balance with whatever was already commercially formulated. And when that happened, then we needed to, we were about four months that we would have to rely exclusively on can. I I wasn't going to go back. It was dehydrated or can. I I said, I'm not going back to Kibble. There's no way. And if I manage it in that horrible situation, then I think anyone can now if they want to, if they want to, but it was kind of hard. And then when we were without power for 68 days, at least where I live, because people had had power outages for longer than I did. Um, When we got that set up, then we started, you know, releasing the cans and the dehydrant. I said, let's go. Let's start doing this full. And that, that's what changed everything. That's when I took the course. I said, I'm doing this full blast and I need to help more people because we can do it. We can do it. Everyone can do it. They want to. So that was it. So it, so it was a hurricane, power outages and limited resources coming in that started to convert you from slowly to raw those few months. Yeah. From just saying, wow. you know, forget about the commercially bounced. I had to, I had to depend a lot on like what was coming in and mm. what was available. I wasn't all, you know, happy about what was available like in canned for commercial food and the hydrated. It was a limited stock. It was kind of like, oh, then when the supermarket started opening and bringing enough food, then, and they were, they stopped um, doing the, the ration quantities because you could only get like 10 pounds of, of chicken and stuff like that for the family. Then when I said, okay, if everything is flowing back to normal, I'm going to do it because I really can't, you know, keep trusting on what's going to happen. And you know what, at the, at the end, there's always farmers available and you can still make, you can still find your way around it and still give, 
not a processed food, just a fresh, a fresh diet any way you can in whatever situation. I think we passed the same thing in during, you know, during the whole, the big lockdown. Like everyone's freaked mm. out what we're going to do, but everyone managed it. It wasn't that bad. We, we did, of course, have some of our limitations, but I think everyone that fed a fresh food diet didn't really change anything. Just had to prioritize, just go to a supermarket at a specific time, get exactly what you needed, you know, plan ahead. And everything, every, everyone made it work. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Wow. How, how big is Puerto Rico? I've never been. I've never been. It's a small island. I don't know. Is it smaller than Singapore? Singapore is tiny. I don't even know how, how big is Singapore, but it takes about half okay. an hour to get across the island. <laughs> half an hour? Oh, no. If you drive straight down the highway, yeah. It could take us about four hours. So it's okay. 100 miles long okay. and 30 miles in, in height. Like. So you're still you're still bigger than me. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. a little oh, bit, wow. but it's we compare more to like Rhode Island, I guess. We're small. Okay. We're, we're pretty small. But yeah, you can okay. drive around the island. Maybe the full drive around the island, maybe about four to four hours and a half to five. Okay. And how many dogs? How many dogs did you have during the hurricane? Then was the two oldest and the giant schnauzer. So it would only be three. Three? No. Four. I had four. Yeah. I had four at that time. And then let me see. Yeah. And then we got it was either three or four, and I'm confused. We did get another dog like right after (laughs) the hurricane. (laughs) we got one right after um because everything was um like people weren't in the best situation so we felt that we needed a dog to give us a little bit more security instead of having these fluffy balls that are just you know pets (laughs) okay (laughs) so we got we got a malinois and um he started working through, but yeah, I think, I think we had four at the time. The, this one is the oldest. Um, she's 15 now. I have a 13 year old. She was the, the one that inspired me to do all the changes. And the giant schnauzer is four. And the other mini schnauzer is three and a half. So I think they were those, they were only four at that time. And How many do you have now? Six. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> six. So now there's two Malinois. Um, and there's also a mini horse at the house. Awesome. And then awesome. There's, a, there's a thoroughbred at the barn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you an animal lover through and through. <laughs> you love horses, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they are beautiful. They are beautiful. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so you, you're now more a, um, a wellness coach for canines. So you cover not just the grooming aspect, the diet aspect, but also behavioral. So it's, it's more of a holistic approach to, to dog wellness that you, you, you uh, provide for your customers. Um, 
uh, did you find a, a, a lot of resistance to, you know, uh, what you suggested? Or do you still yeah. find resistance? No? Well, most of my clients knew me because I was the groomer at the vet. And I would always check my dogs. Like, it would be, client came in, I wouldn't just do the grooming, I would assess the ears, see if there was infection, and then I would refer to the veterinarian, like, I don't like how this ear is looking, check this out, and I would show him, it's like, oh yeah, good, thank you for pointing that out. Stuff that wouldn't have happened because the owner wouldn't have gone to the vet for the ears. The owner was bringing the dog in just for grooming. So most of my clients already knew that if I saw something wrong, I would tell them. So they would, you know, step up and bring the dog to the vet if they felt the lump. So it was already more like a holistic grooming because it just wasn't, you know, just clipping and bathing and fine. I would try to form that relationship. So most of them had, uh, had a bit trouble, the whole raw issue. Like, how do I prepare that? That's going to take so much time. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's like your dog, you know, you should want to try to do it. But I wouldn't push it too much. Then I would just ask them to switch maybe brands if they were giving a really bad brand. <laughs> I would just give them some up more options like try this one or try this one. I know it's a little bit more expensive, but it's better, it's healthier. And if they would start to kind of go with it, then I would say even better, maybe we could switch to can, even better, maybe try it dehydrated. And then I would send them links and stuff and make it Try to make it easier for them. I didn't have to, but I felt like I wanted to help these dogs any other way, you know, any way I could. And I knew that the donors weren't going to do the full raw. So if they weren't going to do full raw because it was too, too time consuming or whatever reason that they had, I, I would just try to help them any other way. So at least in that aspect, already my clients knew me and then when I started the page, I did start with mostly the beginning was just food because I, I was already, you know, certified international master groomer, but I didn't want the page to be about, you know, look me up for grooming. I wanted the page more to be like a food resource and to help other people and just ride and, you know, open up the community and see what's, what's there because I only had, I was, I'm maybe seeing, I'm still kind of seeing about 50-ish dogs a week, but that's not enough. That's not enough. And like, there's so many more people that could get the message, get the information. And that's why I started expanding and people started knowing me for like the raw. And then they would put my stories up or share my videos to the groups that they had based on breed. They're like, oh, she has this breed and she had this problem. And now the dog looks amazing and it kind of started that way. So people were like, oh, wow. And then I would tell them, you know, maybe what you're using for shampoo is not helping you either. Maybe this isn't working. And it kind of went to that whole aspect. Like, everything inside, everything outside. And of course there was stuff that people had issues with their dogs with eating the food. I'm like, well, you're not structuring them right. Maybe we should use a kennel or a crate for when they're eating. So they're not taking their, you know, their stuff all around the house and no, but how, well, okay. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And that's how I started. One of my dogs, I do compete in obedience and rally. 
COVID has slowed us down. We haven't competed in about a little bit more than a year um, because there were there aren't many trials on the island. There are about uh, two trials um, for AKC every year. So we were supposed to have one in April of last year and <laughs> didn't happen, of course. And we might have one this April to get things um, back in normal. So I would compete with them actively in obedience trials and rally trials. And people wanted me to start managing their dogs. And I was like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not a trainer. You need a trainer. No, but you know so much. It's like, I'm not a trainer. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And since people started, I was like, maybe I should. Maybe this is a good opportunity to expand and maybe give a more complete service because I've never wanted to study veterinary medicine. I've never wanted to be a tech veterinary tech either. Um, I like the fun part of grooming and the bows and treating them pretty and happy dogs and forget about sickness. You know, I don't want to deal with that. Like I, I want to be like the happy part of the equation of, of the pet's um, lifestyle. So that's when I decided to take the course. And I took it at the end of 2019. And of course, 2020, the whole lockdown made people have to stay with their unruly, uneducated pets. And people started realizing that it's more than just have a dog they need to be educated you need to have them able to be like with the family but sit down not jump up and you can eat and have them be part but not be all along the place which was what was happening and I guess now the maybe the worst part is the COVID puppies because those COVID puppies weren't allowed to socialize they weren't allowed to go out so these dogs this is another whole scenario that none of us as trainers no one no one no one on planet earth has had like this type of training to manage these covid puppies because they're scared of everything they don't know how to socialize they're very good with the humans they can respond to commands they don't know what the world is and that's like a big problem because there's enough dogs out there that we're you know, post uh, pre-COVID that do know how to socialize. So now we're having a little bit of trouble, like trying to integrate these COVID puppies into the whole community and make sure that they're okay, that they can be around other dogs and not freak out and hear the garbage truck and, you know, be okay with it and walk by it. Not just hearing it from, you know, from the house, you know, walk by it and have no problem with it. So there's a couple of stuff that have been very, different since the whole world changed but yeah the whole thing of what it has turned into like raw pet has turned into the whole wellness I did eventually change the name I started as raw pet PR which was PR was for Puerto Rico um but then I ended up taking the PR away and just putting raw pet and wellness coach because I don't have clients only from Puerto Rico. I have clients from the States. I have clients from South America, from Central America. Everyone that, anyone that wants the information in Spanish, I'm there. Nice, nice. So it did expand to another level, which I didn't 
I love that. I actually have a girlfriend in Ecuador and she is a raw feeder. She came, I mean, like she, she was in Singapore because of her husband for work and then she's moved back. Um, so she had to learn how to make her own raw cat food for her cats. And yeah, but I think, I think because, um, that part of the world has more resources than Singapore, obviously. So she could get a meat grinder easily. She had, you know, oh. um, access to farms. I don't have a meat agriculture. Grinder. I don't have a meat grinder. It's not accessible for us. It's way too expensive for the shipping. Yeah, see, island island problems, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tiny island problems. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's expensive. Everything's imported in. That's the problem yeah. with, with island life. Um, we don't have natural resources like those big, huge agricultural like North America, South America, Australia, New Zealand. Um, yeah. We don't have a lot of plantations here now because it's more urban, you know, because mm-hmm. yeah, it's more modernized. But mm-hmm. yeah, so things are more expensive when we bring them in. Yes. So I'm a rescuer. I'm a community cat rescuer. I, I also foster dogs sometimes, but maybe cats. And I'm a raw feeder. And I mean, like, I remember when it was just really, there was only like one commercial frozen raw food company coming in to Singapore. And that was that. like, that really? was from Australia. Yeah, oh, wow. that was from Australia. Because uh, we're, well, obviously closer to that site. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so over the last, I think, five years especially, we have more local companies preparing uh, frozen raw food now. Nice. Or even like home cook. Uh, it's a very slow movement. But still, everything is imported into the country. So there's always, a, you know, that costing. So it's not exactly... Um, cheap like kibble but you know i always try to encourage my my adopters or you know pet owners that i meet you know when they ask me like oh what do you feed you know and like you they're usually kibble be it cat or dog and you know uh sometimes they they see what i feed the community cats because i actually feed a mix of raw and wet canned food for my community cats amazing yeah, I don't feed kibble. I actually feed um, dehydrated raw, you know, as as the as toppers. Nice. You know? So I try to teach, especially low income families that I mix with, how to freshen up their bowl, be it cat or dog, because they will tell me like, oh, you know, it costs this much to bring to the vet. It's always the medication, and it's expensive. It costs money, you know, these, uh, yeah. it's, it's really not cheap. And especially if you're a low-income family, you don't have a lot of resources to, you know, spread the love with your, with your animals. So, you know, we normally try to, you know, encourage them, like, try a bit of wet. You know, do you cook at home? Can you give the, you know, share a bit of your, your, your food oh, your prep? With your mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, you know, so we teach them like how to make bone broth, but we call it chicken soup because they wouldn't know what bone broth is. Oh. So we say like, put a whole chicken in, you know, with the cock, with the meat and everything so you can cook it for yourself, but don't add the salt just yet, you know, and you know, you know, awesome. you, you gotta, you gotta make it more dog friendly in the beginning and then like teach them like, and then you can, you know, give them the soup, we, t- we call it soup for them. And then mm-hmm. you can, you can pe- peel some of the meat. Don't give the cooked bones, you know, we'll teach them that. So that's how they slowly, they slowly, you know, get used to the idea of feeding fresh. And then we'll say like, oh, you know, you could give an egg, 
it can it can be it can be scrambled, it can be sunny side, it can be hardboard, and you can just crack it and put it into the bowl. <laughs> and they're like, really? You know, like, yeah. I know. Yeah. So you know, like you, we do very small incremental, like little tidbits of advice, and we gauge it based on their response as well, because we don't want to scare them away. Yeah, definitely. We want to. We want to like we're like fishing, and it was slowly like reeling yeah. them in. <laughs> like, oh, you're interested now. Let me give you more information. You can do it better. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, would you say there? How, is there a a big? Oh, how big is the the fresh feeding community in Puerto Rico? Or where well, you live? It's it's been bigger. Um, I I. I don't want to say it's because of me. I just made it more public. There's been people who have been doing it longer than I have. Um, but a lot of people just stayed, you know, hush, hush. No one talked about it. Um, and I guess I decided to do it. And of course, I've gotten, you know, good and bad because of it. But it's fine. So people now are more, I guess, they're more willing to say, well, I kind of sometimes add some blueberries to the meal. Now it's like, hey, I added some blueberries to the meal. It was like, you would get a lot of hassle from the vets. If you were adding fresh food, they would be like, no, don't add anything. But now people are like, hey, I added this and my dog started having some change and he looks really good. I'm like, okay, keep on going. Like people are keep talking about it it's more people are talking about it it's been growing and growing and growing like when I started I would only help maybe a couple of clients a month and now every week I have about six or eight clients that are wanting to transition to move along nice. like whoa this is totally different and I'm trying to cover all the bases I try to do the obedience and trying to do the grooming and trying to do the consultation so I don't have all the free time I know that there's clients that need another you know maybe another time schedule that I can't offer because I already have other other stuff going on there's a lot of people that have decided to just speak about it so the movement maybe right after Maria people were scared but they kind of saw that things kind of went through and the page opened in May um so it already had been a year, I think it was a year. Yeah, Maria was, no, about six months, six to eight months. Maria had passed and everything was like, okay, like, we can get ourselves back together. And people were more receptive to listening to what to do, like to better their dogs. And I guess now in 2021, I think we're pretty big. I think people, maybe it's not, it's not yet at 50%, but I think we should be around 35% that are at least fresh feeders and not full raw, but maybe cooked or maybe half and half. There's a lot of people that just tell me, no, I give this, I give that. What do you think? I'm like, great. Whenever you're ready to move forward, just let me know. I'll help you. They're like, nice. oh, okay, so I'm doing good. Yeah, you're doing great. Keep on going. Just whenever you, whenever you want to move forward, I'm here to help you. Like, you don't have to do it alone. Because that's what happened to me. So I did it alone. I was like, do I do? Okay. And like, 
information and books and stuff. And it was so much to like handle that it took me a while. I guess that's, that's what took me even longer to do it because I was just having so much to back and forth. Plus the vet world, I had so I have so many friends that are vets, but just from the three years that I worked there at the vet clinic, that was kind of hard. But it's awesome now that they they're the ones that refer clients to me. They're like, nice. you know what? You tried you tried medication, you tried injections, you tried the process kibble. You know, talk talk to her, talk to her pet. She she'll she'll guide you in the right way. Or veterinarians that. They say, like the clients go there, oh, well, I'm getting like some nutrition assessments from this girl and she has this page and they're like, oh yeah, Maran, yeah, cool. Awesome, you're doing it with her. Cool, yes, go ahead. And they're like, oh, okay. No backlash, no nothing. Because they see that, they see the basically other clients that are in tip top shape. They do lab works and nothing's wrong with them. They're like, wow. So I'm proving basically to them that it works, that it's not what it was, you know, talked about in the university when they were studying, it was all bad. So I guess that's like been like the best part of, of everything. It's like the community has been growing and then the vets have also been like growing. I have a ton of vets that follow me. Some I know that they love me, others I know they hate me. And I know because, <laughs> they, because they have like segments in, like in the morning news and they talk about specific topics and they're pretty similar to stuff that I have said. Like I put a post in and then that week they're talking about that, like saying how this and this and this is, is bad or it's wrong. Your, your dog's not a wolf and don't give that, don't give the other. I'm like, you saw my post. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good and bad. It's good and bad. I have, I have, veterinarians that are all for it and others were like no they take screenshots of my posts and then put their stories and write their stuff or videotape themselves and I just laugh I'm like I'm sorry that they have so many followers that engage to that that maybe they should you know hop over to my side and just listen through and just see it because of course they are vets and then people are like no they know better they know more well, maybe they know more in other areas, like areas that they really were, you know, giving, given the study, the full study They're they're not educated in, in, in nutrition. They even say it, that there's a couple of vets that will admit it. Like here, they're like, no, nutrition. No, I, it's not my forte. I, I don't manage that, but you know what? They're, they don't have to, they're anesthesiologists, they're pharmacists, they're surgeons. You know, they do so much stuff already that I know that the kibble just took another, you know, worry away from them. So it's not their specialty to do that. And I guess what frustrates me more is like the scare tactic campaigns. Just like, oh, your dog is going to die. I would already have six dead dogs. What are you talking about? Like so many other clients. Don't scare people. Mm. Just tell you that you're, that you don't that you don't like it and that you were taught that that wasn't the best thing. And maybe there's more evidence that you should research it too. So when people mm -hmm. are like, oh, well, my vets didn't know, that's okay. You can decide it's your dog. There's other vets that will say yes. It's 
so it's up to you and they're like oh there's other vets that are you know fresh fresh feeders and I yeah, there's a couple of them on the island. I can give you the number if you want. Like, oh, okay. So it's easier for them now if they have options to just not say, okay, well, my vet said no, then I can't do anything. You can do if you want to. But you, I, I always tell them, you just have the option. Just talk about it or not. You don't have to say anything. Like if the vet asks, why is your dog looking so good? What are you here for? Like, well, I just want to do lab work. Like why the dog is fine? They want to just want to check, and if they ask, because that's part of the protocol, they ask, and you want to tell them. If you don't want to, just say whatever they want to hear. Check out whatever's in their cabinets, like whatever's on their shelves. Just say that. <laughs> You're done. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to switch your vet. Your vet may be amazing in so many other areas. That why switch them? Just maybe in that moment, don't talk about it. Don't make it uncomfortable for you that maybe you don't feel that you can like really speak up because that happens to a lot of people. They don't, they say, well, when the vet starts refuting them, I'm like, I would love to have like a conversation with a vet like that. It would be awesome. To me, it's like, yes. But my clients would be like terrified. They're like, no, 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 I can't, I can't do that. I can't. I'm like, okay, don't do it. Don't talk to them about it. Don't, don't make yourself you know, feel vulnerable in a position that's not comfortable for you. If you're, if you're okay with the decision you made and you're happy and your dog's happy, then, you know, that's the only important part. Forget about the rest. Mm. Forget about the rest. So what would you say in your whole journey of, if I count correctly, at least more than 10 years now, because <laughs> you've been you've been in the animal world like t- 2007 as a vet you know, with a vet yeah. clinic and all that so you know what are you most proud of of your journey to date I think it would be being recognized in the community as an extra help that maybe when their options are running out with the medicine and sick dogs I guess it would be more sick dogs um, when they don't have an option or if they, they're not really satisfied and they want to do something in the natural way, then I can help them, at least in the nutritional part. And I do guide them into, you know, let's try to switch this and let's go through a more cleaner route. Let's start, you know, changing maybe even your floor detergent. Let's use vinegar. Let's, let's start making a more friendly um you know, ambiance for your dog and, and let's take away the chemicals and start moving around that way. So um, I've had a couple of uh, cancer clients um, that I try to help them, you know, with all the processes. Most of them are going to pass anyway, but they they know that like my clients come, like, well, we know we have this aggressive cancer, but you know what? We're not going to do chemotherapy or anything like that. We just want to give the dog a nice quality life for whatever time we have with them, but let me see what I can do in the natural realm. And I tell them, okay, then let's do this. Let's switch this. Let's get those carbs out. Let's start making this better. And dogs really have like these nice last months or even years with their, with their owners. And it's awesome. To me, it's like, wow, super. So I really like that. I really like helping people that kind of ran out. There's nothing else you can do. The doctors don't know what else to do let's switch your food maybe it'll work out and 
most of them do. Most of them do. So I guess that would be it. And you, you, you know, you were saying you do everything on your phone, on your phone for for consult and everything. So, I mean, like that's quite amazing. I mean, like what tools do you use on your phone for everything? Canva, and what? So I use Canva mostly. Um, Instagram with the stories. Now I manage, you know, with the music and start, you know, almost doodling on some of the stories. Um, the lives really help me. I normally just sit in my backyard. The dogs, you'll see them passing by. But mostly for content creation, I use Canva and then I'm just live. Like I, I might do a video or two and I do that taking stuff from the internet, taking stuff from my house, whatever I recorded with my phone. And then I just use like the, what is it called? It's quick. It's called quick with the K at the end, not the C. And okay. it's like a GoPro tool. It's for the GoPro camera. And I use it for everything because it's just like, okay, videos, quick. Post, Canva. Live, my phone. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> it's very, very easy. So I spend a ton of time on my phone, just like getting images and all the content, all those pretty pictures are just from searching online. I don't I don't have account an account for um, getting those nice digital pictures or anything like that. I just grab whatever looks high quality and start moving them in. I do have a pet photographer that I, whenever I want to take pictures of my animals, then she takes a couple of pretty pictures for the page, but mostly, I mostly get everything off of the internet and just pick and choose and then format it so it looks more mine and just change it up and forgot to picture of a broccoli will include it in some other way that it looks great and switch it up just like that but everything is done with the phone so you're basically you're basically a one-woman show and you're just doing everything from a to z um with and with your phone and i think that's amazing i love that and i think that should inspire a lot of people who are starting out because yeah. a lot of times people think that they have to spend a lot of money on equipment, on, you know, getting accounts and stuff. And you just prove because you're an island lady in Puerto Rico and you suffered a Hurricane Maria for what, yeah. six, six, eight, nine months, something crazy like that. The backlash. So, yeah, so if, if, you could, if you could do everything, you know, on such limited resources um, around you, I think anyone else can do what you know can just go for it because yeah. you know that's... I don't even pay for subscriptions of any of the apps <laughs> I use, <laughs> which is bad. Which is bad because it would be easier, I bet, if I start paying the subscriptions. But I already have like my, like I have the same formats. I have my formats for Instagram. I have my formats for Facebook. I have to respect each platform because I know when when stuff don't you know the metrics and all the engagement starts to look wonky because i'm using you know i'm trying to boost my instagram because i hit i hit facebook's like so hard in the beginning so i'm really uneven i have about eight thousand something followers on facebook and then an instagram it's only at four thousand because i really wasn't working instagram i was more dedicated to facebook 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 now i'm doing more instagram and then facebook is going like slowly it's not going so high as it used to but now I'm creating for both platforms, even if it's the same con uh, material, you know, 
the content stays the same, but just respecting each platform to see if it moves eventually in the same in the same way. But yeah, everything is done from the phone. And and basically, you don't really spend much. Do you advertise at all? No. So everything no. is word of mouth, and um, maybe like in maybe in twenty twenty, I did thirty dollars. Maybe that was it. Like I wanted to promote specifically one thing, and I got um, a good follow. You know, a good um, good results from that. But then everything starts to flow, and I don't need to. I don't need to do any type of advertising or anything like that. But yeah, Facebook has been super limited. Also, I I think I've done maybe a hundred dollars in like not a two years, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's not so, something that I yeah, want to do. Well, that's amazing because you've been a content creator for about two years now. Would yeah. You say? Yeah, two years. In May would be three years. Yep. Wow. So, you know, everyone out there, there's hope because if you look at Maran Rios in Puerto Rico and follow her on Instagram and Facebook, uh, you'll be very impressed because everything (laughs) she does is solo on her own on her phone. Okay, everybody. So, if she can do it, so can you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yes. Yeah. Well, Moran, I want to say thank you because I know you're rushing off and I just want to thank you so much for making the time to speak to me. Um, you're a lovely lady and I hope that we can catch up thank again. You. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Moran's story. Look out for Dr. PJ Broadfoot's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.